ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chickie Fitzgerald. I am so excited today because we are visiting with a dear friend of mine. I met him about a year and a half ago through the C-Suite Network and the Hero Club. His name is Mitchell Levy. He is a global credibility expert. But uh, more than that, this man has a heart for helping professionals who want to be seen as credible. But we are going to be talking about so much more than that. His book is called Credibility Nation. But this is, again, more than a book. This is a movement. And it comes from Mitchell's heart. Mitchell, thank you so much for joining us today. (laughs) Jackie, it is always a pleasure to spend time with you. It's my pleasure. Well, I am so excited because I know that you did a whole um, seminar workshop call you know whatever you called it about credibility uh, a few weeks ago and i was able to pop in and listen to a few things uh but there's so much more to know and to share but before we dive into the book would you please share with our audience that doesn't know who mitchell levy is a little bit about you how did you get to this point of writing the book why did you form this movement and what's really behind you well, in terms of writing a book, just to be clear, I've written over 60, uh, many of them Amazon bestsellers, as well as published over 750. But let's go back. <laughs> so uh, I, uh, I, during the dot-com days, or right before then, the last job I had, I was working for Sun Microsystems. And I was working on and managing the e-commerce component of Sun Supply Chain, and I'm in Silicon Valley, uh, been here for 35 years, and the dot-com happened, and it's, you know, all you had to do is spell the word e-commerce, and money would come your way, <laughs> and, uh, and so I created an e-commerce consultancy company, and what was interesting is the person who I was when I was working for other people, it turns out my, my second male mentor in life was my first boss out of business school. He was hedonistic and narcissistic, and he taught me how to do a great job of being a really poor manager. And I just remember when I was (laughs) at corporations, I remember more than one boss saying to me, Mitchell, if you were only a better people manager, you'd probably be running this division or more. And so the cool part about um, actually going on my own is that I was able to be more authentic in terms of how I answered questions. So because of this, this boss, what I like to say is I was only with him for a year. He was actually technically with me for 13 because during the time that I worked in corporations, I always answered questions the way I thought my boss would want to hear it, not the way I wanted to hear it. So I, I started thinking about and focusing on authenticity. What was interesting is my first male mentor was my dad, who, and, and we'll say it in a better way, my bio dad. So my bio dad left at nine. And so at nine years old, trying to figure out what is a father and what should the role of a father be, I, I sort of focused on integrity and the intent and commitment to serve others. And that's from that early age. 
And so I started focusing, you know, once I, once I entered the workforce on, on authenticity, I, I, uh, I, I got this intent and this, this commitment to serve others and this integrity. And then something really interesting happened at the, uh, at the end of the dot-com days, or as, or as people call it, the dot-bust. My consulting business revenue went to zero overnight. And, and so I had, I had another, um, I was uh, with a friend of mine, we were running four different CEO networking groups we were making the CEO groups for me was about a $40,000 a year uh, project. And it was so small in relation to everything else. I was just about ready to say, Hey, I can't, I just can't do this anymore. Right. Hit by the taking his commitment to, to me is how he onboarded me, Mitchell, I need you to be part of the company. I need your network. You don't have to do any work. You get a piece of the company. I'm like, okay. So by the way, when somebody says, I need your network and you don't have to do any work. You can't actually do that. You right. to, to use your network. You need to actually um, be part of it. Right. And so, uh, but anyhow, the, the dot bus came, my e-commerce consulting revenue went to zero and then 40 K a year looked really good. And so um, what I ultimately ended up doing and part of that, part of that time frame is as a e-commerce, a management consultant during the dot-com days, I was doing really well. And what I could tell you is at some point in time, I was sort of letting my ego get to me. It was one of those things that it, it's so hard when you do all these things so well, not to, if, it, to be unchecked. And my, my best coach, my, my accountability partner is my wife. So she would do a great job of trying to bring back a little bit more humanity in terms of how I interacted. And, you know, I could say sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. So what happened post the, 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 the doing the CEO networking stuff around 2005, I realized that the next thing I wanted to do is, is be a book publisher. So, so far we've published up until now 200 and I'm sorry, over 750 books. Don't know where the number 200 came from. So go out of the way. <laughs> I, I'll try to use it in a conversation somewhere, but I don't even know where that number came from. Right. So the interesting part is I, I made a decision at that point to move away from self so the ego wasn't involved at all and to get to the point where I was really focused on others. So to be that servant leader and bring that in, mm. into fold. And, and I've often had people tell me, uh, during this time frame, hey Mitchell, the types of things you say are more relevant than, and then he, they would name some of the big people in the marketplace. You just don't talk about yourself at all, and so that's a piece of it that I'm now bringing back. So what happened as a book publisher is in 2018, I realized. So my first my first TEDx was uh, at the end of 2017. And that got me thinking about the world in a different way. And what I realized is my business had changed enough that I was serving as a publisher, I was serving the wrong audience. The audience that I was serving were people who were writing their own books. The audience that I decided I needed to serve are those people who didn't have time to write their own books, but had a good message to communicate. And they were using their book to drive business. And what happened is, that was 2018, I spent that year building a university, bringing people through that university, how to write, how to actually do the writing for the book sale. Yes. And in 2019, I had a Napoleon Hill moment. 
I woke up because what happens, I changed my title in 2019. I changed it from the aha guy. I still love that title. I changed it to global credibility expert. And, and so the Napoleon Hill moment is about two months after changing the title was simply Napoleon Hill, 500 millionaires were interviewed. And then the book think and grow rich came out of it. So Mitchell Levy, 500 thought leaders on credibility would be interviewed. And then other than a book, I, I didn't know the title. I didn't know what would happen. And so, uh, Jackie, I've got about one or two minutes left of this, and then we'll, we'll pull it together. So what happens, I've, I've actually finished interviewing uh, the 500 people. At interview 40, I entered flow. Because what happened is I started doing this because I wanted someone to say, hey, Mitchell, you're a global credibility expert, or you're the global credibility expert. At interview 40, I kind of recognized that I didn't need anyone to tell me anything. I knew who I was. Wow. At interview 250, I came up with the title of the book, which was my CPOP, my customer point of pain, and, and which is humans that want to be seen as credible. And what happened is I ultimately, as we published it, as, as you read, that's now the subtitle, slightly altered. So it's professionals that want to be seen as credible. It was interview 475 that was sort of a turning point. I have over 400 video testimonials of people saying something like this. Uh, Mitchell, it's, uh, for the last two, four, 10, 12 years, I've been trying to get clarity on who I am and what I do. And you gave this to me in five minutes. Thank you so much. So once again, 400 interviews, I mean, points right. of testimonials, Lots of people telling me I'm brilliant. The ego could have easily started getting out of hand. And what I, what I woke up, and this is interview 475, I, I kind of realized that it can't be that easy. I, I would share a couple words of wisdom with that person. And in some cases, change the complete trajectory of their lives. And what happened is, it's not about me, it's about this framework because we've been taught wrong. We've been taught how to make life hard, make it so not so simple. And what it comes down to is it, very simple words, finding, delivering on, and clearly articulating on your purpose. So at interview 475, I had a wake-up call. And that wake-up call was, was simply... I, my entire life, had been looking for that person or that entity that would teach, teach me, teach us on how to do business with, with humanity, how to do business properly. And what I realized is I need to stop looking for somebody else, that that person is us. Right. We need to bring credibility back to the world. We need to bring humanity back to the world. And so subsequently, uh, where we are now is I've created a, it was a, a two-day summit focused on uh, credibility. It's the book, uh, as, you, as you mentioned, Credibility Nation. And I have a very, I'm going to say, I have the most simple, succinct uh, message of what I need to do that I've ever done in my life. And I'm going to share, share my, my favorite picture. This is what I need to do for the rest of my life. And that is, if you like, take a look at the scale. I, I love it, that. I call the opposite of credibility, uh, I call it dubious. And so uh, the membership site, what I'm doing is Credibility Nation. 
and Dubious Nation is currently winning. And so before I die, I will tip the scale between mm. Credibility Nation and Dubious Nation. What a great vision, Mitchell. And I was sharing with someone this morning uh, kind of a similar message of how we are at this really unique place in time where we can watch a video, hear someone say something, and then realize they didn't even say it right? It, it, was, it was duped, right? And, and we see things in the press, on the news, whatever, that uh, either aren't being reported or being reported in a way that, you know, you're just not sure if it's true or not. And so the dubious has momentarily gotten bigger. But I will tell you that my, my own experience and part of that began when I joined the Hero Club uh, a year and a half ago is the depth of the conversations that I've been having over the last, certainly the last nine months since COVID uh, invaded our world, um, have been so much deeper about these very things that you're talking about. And, you know, hearing people being willing to be transparent, right? You talking about how those early days in corporate life, and I mean, I had a, a mirrored experience. I happen to have been with American Airlines Sabre. And while I had some very brilliant bosses, their ability to mentor me and to grow me as an individual and to deepen my, my professional, uh, not just skills, but my acumen, right? Uh, and to teach me how to be considered credible, right? That's not part of the curriculum, right? Not in, not certainly not in high school or college for our kids, and definitely not in the workplace. Let's pause for a commercial break. You've been listening to The Game Changer, sponsored by Travelling to Give. For more information about our smart event tools that give back with each trip, visit travelingtogive.com. So if you don't mind, I'd like to transition into talking about the book. And, you know, you've already given us the glimpse of the, the why this book, why now. And, you know, I'd like to transition into talking about, you know, what is credibility really? If you have to boil it all down, we know that dubious is the opposite of it, but what are the key components of it? And why is it, why is it the thing for you right now, right? What, there's so many things that people can work on. Why is credibility at the center for you? Well, I, I'm just going to say that when you say you, the you is not me. Credibility needs to be the center of us. If we want to, to allow humanity to come back to the world, we, we need to live and act credibly. And I'll tell you what that means. So if you look at the definition of credibility in the Oxford Dictionary today, it is only one third accurate. In essence, what it says is the quality of being believable, the quality of being trustworthy. What credibility is, and this came from the 500 interviews, it's the quality of being known, being likable, and being trustworthy. And so credibility has three pillars. It's the, we know this, know, like, and trust. And so underneath each of those pillars, there are actually 10 components that describe what makes up credibility. And so under being known, what's really interesting, it's not that I know you, 
It's not that I, it's not that I, that I actually know of you, that I've heard your name. It's that I actually know you. I know, I know who you are. I understand that here are the four components. I understand your desire to serve others. I understand your intent and your commitment to do the right thing. I understand your integrity. And so the, the pillar of being known has those four components. Each one of the pillars, so the known, the like, the trustworthy, all have specific components that allow us to actually truly see somebody for who they are and how they, how they live their lives, how they serve. Right. You talked about as a part of your journey, um, and I don't know how much elapsed time there was, but during this last period where you were uh, doing some deep work on this, that you got to the place where you looked at your audience, right? And, and you, you honed in and then were able to clearly articulate who you were talking to and what their pain point was. Is this something that you can teach easily to others? Because this is clearly the first step in being known is you have to know who you want to be known by. It, it's, so the answer to your question is yes. And it is so amazingly simple that people don't, don't actually get it. They don't, they just don't grab it. So let's, let me, uh, let me give you a couple stats um, uh, that came out of the research. And then specifically, we'll talk about that. What you're asking about in, in my vernacular, it's called a CPOP, your customer point of pain. And can you teach that? So the answer is yes. And so what would happen when somebody would sign up for an interview is I would actually send out, when I say, Ali, sorry, we would, in an automated way, <laughs> send Hi. out a 13-minute video on how to prepare. I always found it funny that I'd send a 13-minute video on how to prepare for an actual five- to seven-minute interview. Right. So what we would do is, is we ultimately now, I turn the interviews into a credibility scissor roll, into a cred wheel. And so when I work with people, we actually create a cred wheel. They, they can demonstrate their credibility asynchronously in five to seven minutes. We'll come back there. So we would send people the 13-minute the video, and then they could look at past interviews. And then I would, I would, as part of the interview, I'd make a challenge. Because what's really interesting is 98% of those people who I interviewed really needed support on coming up with their CPOP, their customer point of pain, 98%. So the challenge was, can you- I'm glad to hear I wasn't alone in that uh, interview process because I remember you asking me and I I didn't feel like I could uh, clearly articulate it. I really, really needed help on that front. So glad to hear I was was not alone. Oh, you know, here's what's really interesting. It, it it's only because we've been, uh, this is something I often say, we still live in the industrial age. We have all this great technology that propagates the bullshit we learned in the industrial age, but we still live in the industrial <laughs> age. And so we've been taught so wrong for so long about the bullshit concepts of positioning that we don't step back and look at the very simple truth. And that truth is, what it's it's all focused around purpose so that truth is who do we serve and clearly articulating who we serve and how we have passion for serving who we serve and so so a, a cpop is 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 fairly simple it's who is the audience we serve let's narrow that as much as we can 
And what is the, the pain point or the pleasure point? I, I, like, I like point of pain, but some of my friends would prefer point of pleasure. But what is that thing that when you specify this is, this is the issue, that people go, yep, I need that, or that is an issue that needs to be addressed? Because the CPOP is, the best way to think about a CPOP is a CPOP is the anti-salesperson way to communicate. All right, so what does that mean? When you look at a web page, there are some people who have ad blockers on their web page, so they just don't see any ads. Well, based on the interviews, there are people who have salespeople blockers. <laughs> now, we've been taught that the first thing we should say when we communicate is the value proposition. Well, the formula of the value proposition starts with I or we. So when you start a conversation, the first time you meet somebody with I or we, there's a percentage of the population who says salesperson and they put on their salesperson <laughs> blocker and they don't hear the next yes. couple of things you say. So a CPOP, if you can actually create something that doesn't start with I or we or we serve. And it's so funny. I'd even sit with people and we'd come up with their CPOP and then I'd go, hey, what is your CPOP? Well, I work with and then they'd say. Oh, no. <laughs> and and uh, so I, I actually learned when we're creating a new one to actually let people practice a couple of times. And mine is really broad. It's humans that want to be seen as credible. Now there's a lot within there that can go and being a book publisher, that's a beautiful credibility tool. And if, if I'm talking to somebody, I have a more micro CPOP for that person who wants a book, but overall, it makes it easy for me. The best way to think about this, Chicky, is it gives me a compass. It gives me a compass to guide me in terms of who do I want to play with? How do I want to interact? What do I say? Do I want to spend time doing an interview with, with Chicky Fitzgerald? Is that going to help get the, the brand out there? Well, not only does it help in terms of having an, an, a yet another asset, a good video asset out there, but it also lets Chicky know really who I am because we haven't had this conversation. Right, right. Right. Well, and, and it also helps continually reinforce that presence uh, with who you are and what area that you've got that credibility in once you really uh, soak up how to do that. So let me, let me give you a couple stats and then, and then I'll let you ask the next question. So let me tell you something shocking. I interviewed 500 people, did it in such a way where it's statistically significant. So let me tell you, and this is for you, if you're watching this right now, 2% of you have no integrity. You're going to sign up for the interview and you're not going to show up and you're not going to tell me before or even afterwards what happened to you. 4% of you are rude. That means you're going to come after the half hour for a live show. Overall, 23% of you are late, which means when you're doing a live show, you're coming three minutes to zero for a live show. 80% of you who are really good when I talk to you one-on-one -on -one, suck in terms of how you present yourself online and 98% <laughs> of you need clarity. Yes. yes. Right? So it's when you think about that, and, and I'll just go back to one of those things I said, so imagine you're being interviewed by the global credibility expert on your credibility and you think it's credible to come after the half hour for a live show. Like, I, I don't know. I, like, uh-huh, duh. <laughs> <laughs>
No, very, very important. So uh, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about the being likable piece. Because, you know, I never thought about credibility as, as uh, being likable. Uh, that, you know, that, that wouldn't have been the, the obvious thing uh, to me. So, you know, you talk here about the magic of, of cred dust or cred dust. How, uh, I don't know how to pronounce I, I, that word. I know. I call, it, I call it cred dust. I had this strong, interesting uh, decision. Um, likeable is really beautiful. Let me tell you where cred dust came from, and then I'll, we'll jump on cre uh, credibility. So I was, I was uh, interviewing David Meerman Scott. So he's one of the guys we interviewed. David's the guy who invented the word newsjacking. And, and so in the green room conversation, I think it was afterwards, I said, hey, David, I need to get what I'm doing globally available. I need people to know all this. And he goes, Mitchell, invent a word. I go, cred dust. <laughs> like, like it, I mean, it just like was immediately, he goes, no, 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 Mitchell, you could, I took me about six months to think about how this all fits. And I said, no, I just, David, I just don't know if it's one D or two. Because <laughs> Chicky, what happened is I started seeing people do that for the people who I felt were credible for those people who were really good at getting people to know, like, and trust them what they would do is they would spread other people's words of wisdom, right? And so what is cred dust? Cred dust is that sparkle that happens when you're sharing somebody else's either content or name or story and you give them attribution to it because everyone wins. The yes. person you're sharing, they win because you're sharing their content. Your audience wins because they've learned something new and you win because you're seen as somebody who's a servant leader, that you care more about sharing what's beneficial to your audience than you care about yourself. So there are two components of, of likability, of, of, that, of that pillar called being likable. So one component is exactly what, we, what I just said, and I just call it sharing the stage, right? So are you willing to share the stage? And, and I have to tell you, there are so many people who don't. Right. They claim credit for all the stuff they do. They'll never stand on the stage and reference somebody else. But if you've ever been to a, to, a, to a conference where, now this is where it's really interesting. There's a fine line. The speaker stands up and they, they thank everybody. Now, because the NSA teaches people, the National Speaker Association teaches people to do that, there are times where people do that and it just seems so dubious because they they're not real in terms of how they're sharing. And it gets back to, you've got to make decisions or if this is from the heart or if this is just something from the head. And I, right. I can't tell you how many speakers I've seen talk from the head. I'm like, really? They're just, they're following the playbook. So do you share the stage? And do you have respect for the person you're interacting with? Those are the two components of likability. So on, on the sharing the stage, it's really simple. Do you, do you spread cred dust? So we've been taught that we never mention our competitor's name. So, you know, the best way I could put this is go back to the movie Miracle on 34th Street. Yes, Remember, absolutely. Uh, Macy's had Chris Kringle and Chris would, would send people to other stores. To Gimbal's, yeah. Yeah. And what would happen is Macy's stock improved overall because of what, what he was doing. That's, that is basically sharing the stage that's spreading cred dust and, mm. and using the term cred dust is really cool by the way 
<laughs> the second thing is showing respect by showing up when you show up. And there are three components of that. Um, one, <laughs> come early. Um, so clearly you don't come, 23% <laughs> of people came late to, a, to, a, to an interview. So come early, be prepared and come with your heart. Yes. So on the be prepared, you know, it's really simple. We, as you mentioned, we have access to all this information. We could do so many things. You're walking around with, with a computer have, which has more processing power than an ENIAC, than the first computers ever made that took up, this is my credibility garage, that took up more space in this garage. You walk around in your pocket with a computer that has more power than that. So if you don't spend five minutes Googling the name or company, the person you're interacting with, do not make the appointment in the first place. So come right. prepared. And then the third place is, is really come with your heart. Now, this is really interesting because once again, we've been taught command and control, uh, industrial age concepts. We've been, we've been taught to be fierce and to show no mercy. And, you know, that's just stupid. And it turns out based on the interviews, and this is more uh, empirical evidence, about 50% would come to the meeting and, and sort of just be, have their heart. They're, they're ready. They're ready to go. And, what I would do is I'd spend time in the green room and I would be able to help that 50% go to 80%. Because if you don't have an interview that feels like this, Chicky, if you don't have an interview where it just seems like the interviewer and the interviewee like each other, you can't be credible. Right. Because part of being credible is no like and trust. And part of the, the, the component of like is do we like it? Does it feel like we like each other. So to me, it was important to allow the person to show their heart. Right. Now. Well, but I, I want to, I want to jump in and tell a story on you really quickly. Oh, please. That, that today, uh, I, there was some confusion about what this particular time that was booked on my calendar was for, because I always record my radio shows on Friday at noon. Always have done that for 10 years. And we decided to do it today uh, because of both of our schedules, but uh, we had had some other discussions going on. So I, I actually entered this call, not only not knowing what it was about, and I was in the other room, which is a much more casual setting for me and not really appropriate for recording my show. And I needed to come in. And, you know, so we had some tech uh, trouble and it caused us to start late. But what I loved and, and this is where you put your money where your mouth is, Mitchell. You actually gave me the permission to reschedule if I needed to, because it, it felt like we weren't going to be able to have this really, really lovely conversation that we're having right now. And the reason I want to tell this to people is because I want them to know who you are, right? And, and that is who you are. You let me say, no, you know what? Give me a moment to center. And you told me how important that was. And you showed heart. And actually, I'm going to use the word love, right? You, you showed me the kind of friendship that I know we have been building that foundation and it gets deeper and deeper with every conversation we have, right? So I do want to uh, just in the uh, interest of time, I want to fast forward just a little bit and talk about trustworthiness because I think that this is the one word that that that's the one that makes sense. That's the one that fits 
most easily in our own minds with the definition, the dictionary definition of credibility. So uh, talk to us a little bit about reinforcing our commitment to, to be who we are, you know, and to, and to show up as who we are and not to try to be somebody else. So the pillar of trustworthy um, has four components associated with it. And uh, it turns out in the TED talk I had done in uh, uh, the end of 2017, I only mentioned three. So I'll, I'll point out the one that I missed, at, which came out of the interview. So it's really the, the concept of, of demonstrating your vulnerability, your integrity, your authenticity. Those, those are three components of trustworthiness. What I actually missed was your desire to be coachable to be coachable in any situation. And so it was really interesting of the interviews, there are some people who had more or less, um, more or less willingness to be coached. Uh, there are some people who just couldn't, couldn't be coached at all. And I had one guy who, when I said, hey, what's your CPOP, what's your customer point of pain? Um, he gave me his value proposition, which was 30 seconds long. I, I, by the way, I'm looking for three, se three second response. Right. And then, so the first thing I said was, well, you know, when I see other people and they're doing it, what's really valuable is if they could do it in about three to four seconds. And it's really, you know, it, it's who do you serve and, and what, is the, what is the pain point you serve? And he then gave me his value, pro half of his value proposition, which was 15 seconds long. And so then I asked a question I should have asked her front, but I, I didn't. I said, do you mind if I do a little bit of coaching? Because it, you know, when you're talking to a professional who's a peer, you just—it's always polite to ask. And he said, "Yes, I do mind. You apparently have your way of doing things, and I have my way of doing things, and I don't want to be coached." Now, so Chicky, this is pretty cool. Wow. So this is one of those where intuition worked, because I have to tell you, if you're listening to this or you're watching this. Or even if you're feeling this, you and I, you know the words that were in my mind that I wanted to utter. <laughs> Here's what happens. Instead of saying anything, I left a little bit, like an extra second or two of just awkward silence. And then he says, you know, I don't think this is going to work out for the two of us, will it? And my response is, no, I don't think so either. Best of luck of everything you need to do. Because there was, I couldn't change. I mean, somebody who's that way. But let me... Let me bring that, turn that around to if you're a hiring manager. You're a hiring manager for your firm. I sound the board of a public company. If my CEO brought in somebody in the executive team who was so smart, they knew everything they wanted to do. They didn't want to listen to the board. They didn't want to listen to the CEO. By the way, we did get somebody like that. They didn't want to uh, listen to their employees. They didn't want to listen to customers because they knew the right way to do things. That's a stupid hire. That is not what you want to do. So if you're hiring somebody, why would you hire somebody who's not coachable? And so that's a component of trustworthiness. Well, I, I love the focus on 
this continual growth. Uh, you talk about curiosity and coachability and lifelong learning, which is one of the things that I value the most. And you talk about hiring. Um, I want somebody who who wants to know more. And whether they're listening to podcasts or reading books or interviewing other people, right? I mean, one of the reasons why I do this, this this isn't a business for me. Uh, my husband, you know, like every Friday would say, are you still doing that? And that's like, yes, because I do it for me. This is part of my lifelong learning. In fact, I talk about this as being a part of my doctorate, right? That uh, I, I want to get better, right? I want to be credible, right? Or I wouldn't have chosen to talk to you about this topic. And clearly I need to work on the, you know, the, the being on time and not missing, uh, not missing meetings because I didn't even know I had missed our last meeting, right? Which is why this was rescheduled. Uh, but that's, you know, in, in my particular case, I, I've got some super big challenges with technology and that takes time away from, you know, working on my business to have to work in my business on that stuff. But I've got to get it fixed because I, I do realize now that it is a reflection on your credibility if, if you don't set an alarm to, you know, for five minutes before you're supposed to be somewhere, right? And so I'm looking for an application. Somebody out there has it that will take my Google Calendar and send me a, an Apple phone alarm, not the, not the on-screen one, right? Because that, that is a shortcoming that I have. And, you know, if we can just recognize, uh, and again, this is me being a genuine human, right? I, I am flawed. Uh, but I do want to be trustworthy. And, you know, you, you end the book, Mitchell, with talking about a life worth living. And that brings up just such a beautiful picture, a, a word picture in my head. Tell us what you were thinking about when you wrote that last section of the book. You know, the, what's really fascinating is... We're living in a world today, as we agreed to at the beginning of the conversation, that there are more people who are dubious than there are credible. And this is something that's not just this year. Um, we did do a survey, and uh, I had Seeley Smith's firm do a survey, was commissioned out of Credibility Nation. It turns out that 50% of, of audience participate, participants think that we are less credible this year than we were last year that if you look at the numbers, 57% of Americans are considered credible, which means 43% are considered wow. dubious. And, and compared to how it was 10, 20, 30, four years ago, 40 years ago, crazy. Really? So what's interesting is if we want to go from the shit show that we live in today to something which is credible, just deploying this definition of credibility is something that will make that happen. And what I, what I say in the last chapter, what I'm very excited about is if we can actually live credibly. What's fascinating is we get, to, we get to know people. We get to know who they really are. We get to like people. We get to respect them. We get to love them. I actually had people that I interviewed that at the end of this, we just met for the first time. Now they've, they've watched a lot of my videos and ahead of time, but the end of that first interview, we would say we love each other. And you know what? That is a beautiful thing for two humans to have that level of bonding of that level of respect. How cool would it be 
if those people you worked with, those people you interacted with mm -hmm. were people who you loved and they loved you. Absolutely. That's the world I want to see. Well, Mitchell, this has been amazing. And again, we've been talking to Mitchell Levy, the author of Credibility Nation. And Mitchell, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the one way uh, that is most effective to reach you or to find you? So if you went to Mitchell, it's my name, uh, Mitchell Levy. 360.com. So M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L-L-E-V-Y-360.com. You'll see whatever those special offers are. You'll be able to connect to me on social media and you'll be able to book time directly on my calendar. Wonderful. So that's MitchellLevy360.com. Perfect. Mitchell, it has been great. And again, I know, I know you're not here to encourage people to read books and to buy this book, but uh, I really think that this book is laid out in such a practical, amazing way uh, to help guide you through the areas that may be a challenge for you and to reinforce, maybe it's even how you want to be raising your kids, right? I mean, there's so much applicability to this. So I do encourage you uh, to buy the book, Credibility Nation. And thank you so much uh, for just being a game changer, right? And, and for joining the Game Changer Show today. Go out and change your game and go out and be credible. Thank you so much, Mitchell. You're welcome. Always a pleasure talking and interacting with you. Thank you so much, Jackie. Oh, have you're a, welcome. Thank you. You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas. Inspiration. Innovation. With Jackie Fitzgerald. Like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business.